0: both of which are definitely missions fields. And now he is at uh, Grand Prairie with Shady Grove Church. We're pleased to have him join us and uh, have him bring the word this morning. Can we uh, give the Lord a hand of appreciation for Jan Denharder? Thank you. Good morning. You. I have my cell phone with me just in case somebody calls that I want to talk to that would be more interesting than talking to you guys. <laughs> Don't you hate that when people sit there and you're having a conversation and then they keep pulling out their cell phone going, oh, just a minute, you know, and start talking, you know. But uh, hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm really glad to be back with you. I really enjoyed being here last time. I just got a good feel for uh, you guys as a congregation, just a lot of very real people that, that are connected to each other, that, that are, are, are walking your journey out with the Lord in, in a genuine way. And you um, can't always say that about churches. Uh, a lot of times you go to churches and it's about a lot of other things, but uh, not about what's really essentially really important. Uh, I really want to um, thank Pastor Alan and Yvette for allowing me to come back, and uh, um, I know that they're having a nice time away, which is great for a pastor. Send them away as much as possible because you're the one that's going to benefit, because when they get refreshed and that load's off their shoulders, they come back so much more encouraged and um, get perspective and... Uh, it's just a good thing. How many of you guys ever watch the program Survivor? Anybody ever watch that? I, I, I see church kind of like Survivor sometimes. Um, you know, we get to be around each other too much, you know, and, and, and then all of a sudden uh, everybody's a little bit of faults and all the stresses and press, pressures that are there, and we start losing perspective. And, and when you step back from it, you know, you're, you, know, you, know, you kind of look and go, what were we so upset about? And uh, we, we get, you know, so intensely focused inward that we lose perspective about life. And um, I, I think church sometimes can be that way. So I think also for pastors, in the same way that just getting away and getting perspective and seeing the bigger picture, it's just such a healthy and good thing. Uh, Pastor uh, Alan asked me to speak uh, about fear this morning. And um, he's going to have a series, I believe, in the next few weeks where we're going to be focused on that. And I'm really glad to be able to speak about that this morning because fear is one of the, the, the foundational issues that we deal with. Have you ever noticed that, that dogs that are frightened bite? Why do, why do frightened dogs bite? Because they, they're insecure. And, you know, people who are insecure bite. Often, often when we, we look at our lives and we look at people and we see people come become very overly aggressive and upset, uh, what, what is the reason for that? It's not necessarily that they're mean people. We may interpret it that way, but, but usually is people are fearful. And, and you, they don't see underneath what even's going on in their own life. And we don't see what's going on in our, in our own life. And so God wants to expose to us how fear works in our life, so that we can be more free and we can be more free to live life. I want to read something to you. I don't know about you. How many of you have a fear of falling? Anybody have a fear of falling in, in this room? Um, I don't really fear falling that much. I, I've jumped out of helicopters when I was in the Army, and, and I, I, like, I like the experience of flying through the air, but what I have a fear of is hitting the ground. <laughs> I'm not worried about the falling part. That's kind of like flying. you know, That's kind of cool. That's nice. But hitting the ground is another thing. And I, I got this some years ago, this little story here. I want to read it to you. Dear sir, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information. In block number three of the accident reporting form, I put trying to get the job done alone as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more fully, and I trust that the following details will be sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trade, and on the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of bricks left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to put them and lower them in a barrel using a pulley, which unfortunately was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the brick into it. Then I went back to the ground level and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of brick. You will note in block number 11 of the accident reporting form, I weigh 135 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rather rapid pace up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains the fractured skull and the broken collarbone. Slowing only slightly, I continued my rapid descent, stopping, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks and the barrel now weighing approximately 50 pounds, I refer you again to my weight in block 11. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for my two fractured ankles and the lacerations of my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries, and when I fell into the pile of bricks, and fortunately only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand, watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind, and I let go of the rope. (laughs) Moral of this tale, it doesn't pay to try to do the job alone. Isn't that good? How does fear work in our lives? Here, I'm going to grab this music stand, if that's all right. I kind of roam around and... Whoa, can you help me with that? This does not work with my height. Thanks. That's perfect, thanks. Fear is an emotional part of our lives, same way anger is, same way joy is, same way peace is. Fear in itself is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, The fear of falling can kind of make you a little more cautious in certain situations, right, to where you won't fall. So I believe that God created or allowed for fear in our life to be a healthy way to protect us from harmful things, you know, uh, you know, there, there's there, there's many things that you can be afraid of that will make you cautious in a right sense to give you good judgment. For example, you know, not not driving too fast on a curvy road because you could lose control. You've seen somebody that's been in a bad accident, and then the fear of that happening to you can make you a little more cautious. So it's kind of an indispensable part of survival. You you have to have fear, but. It's, the issue of fear is what do we do with fear? Now, I want to point out something. There, there's, there's fear, and then there's worry and anxiety. Underneath, subconsciously or consciously, below the surface, we can have a lot of worries and anxieties that are, that are kind of just, just always there, they're resident in our lives, and certain things that nag at you, and, and certain things that you're concerned about. And then there's just the outright fear. Anybody experienced outright fear? Have you ever gone into a dark place and, and felt like you were alone and suddenly discovered you weren't? We used to have this uh, Jesus in, in, in our church in California that I pastored. It was a, it was, they used it for Sunday school and it was just, this cutout of Jesus. It was about six foot tall and you know, shaped like a person and everything. And, and I would go into this chapel to pray sometimes late at night and it was dark. In order to get to where the light switch was, I always had to encounter Jesus. And sometimes I would forget that he was there. And I would come in and walk in, and right about the time I start to turn the light, on, I'm like, whoa, you know, oh, yeah, that's right, it's just Jesus. And, and it would startle me. Have you ever been really startled by, by something that, that, that uh, you just weren't expecting, and you, that moment you feel that rush of just fear? Now, some people are controlled by fears where, where they have fear all the time. You know, I, I, I've known a lot of people that, that have experienced nightmares so that in their sleep, they're attacked with fear. It's bottom line. They're attacked with fear. And I believe that, that much of that is, is demonic. And so because if that's the case, I think that we can deal with that in prayer and we can see that broken in someone's life very quickly and very suddenly. Uh, I've, it's interesting that I can think in my life of every time I've prayed for someone that has nightmares, they've always stopped. That's kind of interesting. I've been in ministry over 30 years. And I've not yet, it could happen, but in 30 years I have never prayed for someone who has nightmares where the nightmares just didn't stop. I was ministering in Israel some years ago in a Messianic Jewish congregation and uh, speaking about a um, similar kind of subject, talked about fear, somehow got on nightmares for a moment. And one lady came up and asked if I'd just pray for her. So I just laid hands on her and prayed for her. Just, just simple prayer, just prayed over her in Jesus' name and went on and Yeshua's name to them. And um, a year later I came back and she says, boy, um, what you, you prayed for me worked. I couldn't even remember what I prayed for. He said, "Well, I was having nightmares, you know, constantly, just just tormented, really, in my sleep for years and years." And said, "When you prayed for me, ever since, I've never had another nightmare." So, if the source of fear is demonic, then we can really deal with that. We have the authority; it's part of our kingdom inheritance, or our kingdom rights. In the name of Jesus to deal with anything demonic in nature and really see it broken and see it changed. It's a very simple thing. It's been bought and paid for by Jesus. It's a benefit we have as a child of God, so we don't need to even really worry about that too much. It's just something we just need to deal with head on, right? And in faith, say, in the name of Jesus, I command this demonic attack to stop. It's really that simple. And it will stop unless you don't believe it. See, if you don't believe in your authority in Jesus' name, you don't believe in the position that God has given you, the devil recognizes that, right? Devil knows real faith and talk. And I don't care if you use Jesus' name. Do you remember the story of the the sons of Sceva? Right? They they were uh, secular um, guys. They were priests, Jewish priests who didn't know the Lord. And they saw the power and authority that the Apostle Paul was was ministering in. And they said, this is it. That's the formula in Jesus' name. So they went to try to cast demons out of a person in Jesus' name. And what ended up happening? They got beat up. (laughs) That's what's going to happen to you. If you try to deal with the devil and you don't really have, one, the relationship with the Lord and you don't believe in what you're saying, you're, you're, you're basically walking up to somebody and slapping him and saying, don't slap me back, right? Well, you're going to get a reaction. If I just walked up and slapped him, he may be real humble and a great guy and he may talk about it with the pastor afterward and I'd probably never get invited back again or he may jump up and just knock the, you know, out of me, Right? Now, the devil's not a gentleman. The devil is mean by nature. Jesus said he's a liar and he's been a murderer from the beginning. He is just downright mean. The devil will do mean things to you just for the sake of being mean because that's who he is. Do you understand that? So we have to get settled in our hearts because this is what spiritual warfare is As we deal with the circumstances of life, we can mentally know what God says about life and so forth, but we always have to come back and engage ourselves to what God says and apply it in our own situation, right? Mentally assenting to the truth. I, I believe these things about God. So you agree with them, and so you think that you possess it. But you don't possess it until it's in your heart and you begin to work it out in that grinding out of life. Hear what I'm saying? And so that's why we always need to be challenged because I can walk in it. I've been in ministry over 30 years. I can walk in it year after year after year and then just fall in circumstances and be in the same place I was when I first came to the Lord. See? Because I may have mentally agreed with the truth and I remember what the Lord has done, but in my present situation, I'm not engaging my faith. So that's why it's called fight the good, Fight of faith. You have to engage yourself. You cannot be passive in this life. Now, some people have fear of death. Jesus said, I came. One of the reasons he said I came is to remove the fear of death. If you have the fear of dying, the Lord will set you free from that. And he gets set you free primarily by giving you the revelation of the security you have and what he's done for you when you believe it. That he has paid the price for your sins. You're not going to die and go to hell. You're not going to die and not know what happens next. If you have a revelation in your heart of who Jesus is and you choose to respond to that revelation and believe it and then confess it, I believe... Jesus died for my sins. God loved me that much that I know that throughout eternity I am going to continue to exist and live because of what He's done for me. Otherwise, you'll be tormented with the fear of death and it'll shut you down. Some people are, are afraid of death, but a lot of us, we're afraid to live. We, 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 get, we try to live with everything real careful and organized and planned out. We want everything real secure. Well, what's happening in our world right now? Right? Shake, shake, shake. I've lived in California, and I've been in, in buildings when an earthquake would hit. We were, I was in a men's retreat at the San, uh, by the San Andreas Fault some years ago, and we were in a building about this size, and we were going to bed at night and when I go camping, you know, sometimes somebody come along. We used to play with each other, and you go, and you shake somebody's tent like that, right? Who's that shaking my tent? Just people having a good time. And so we, a bunch of us guys, it was nighttime. We were all in our room, about four or five and six of us men, and we're just laughing and fellowshipping after a night of, of sharing around the Word and worship and just, just enjoying each other's company. And all of a sudden, somebody shook the tent. And I thought, who's doing that? And all of a sudden, says, no, I'm in a building. The whole building went boom, 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 boom like that. Just, just literally, just like this. Hey, stayed up pretty good. I'll reimburse you if I break it, okay? <laughs> the Lord is shaking the world. I felt a couple weeks ago as the stock market was going down, we hit a certain point on a weekend and somebody said, this next week is just going to drop like a rock all week. And I was just praying and I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me it's going to, it's going to stabilize today. And the stock market did. stabilize that day in a stabilized sense pretty much. These little ups and downs, but kind of going steady. But what the, I saw in the Spirit, you can take this for what it's worth, is what the Lord showed me is it's going to stabilize right now, but there are other waves coming. There's other waves coming. Now, I don't know the timing and the distance between the waves, but there's other shakings coming. We saw that with 9-11 And after 9-11, we saw a lot of people return to church. Why? Because their reality got shaken. And and they realized, man, all my temporary stuff just doesn't mean too much, right? And I better get concerned with what's really important. And so, so the Lord loves us enough to shake our world. Sometimes He shakes your life. You realize that? Sometimes the Lord will, will will stir things up. He'll come to your, your tent and just go, boop, 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 boop. And you kind of go, whoa. You know, it's kind of scary. And you can interpret it as, oh, no, God's mad at me because I haven't been serving Him the way I should. I haven't been committed the way I should. Or you could interpret it correctly and say, God just loves me so much. He has so much more for my life He's going to shake it up a little bit just to get me back moving where I should be moving, thinking where I should be thinking, acting where I should be acting, connecting where I should be connecting, right? God loves us enough to do that. Never interpret the negative things that happen in life as God being against you because it goes against what the Word says. Romans 8 says, God is for you. If he gave his Son, if he gave his Son who was innocent, to be punished for your ugly, shameful, disgusting, terrible sins. How much more now will He freely give you everything else? See? He loves you that much to to take away the guilt, to take away the shame. If you're walking in any kind of shame or guilt, the Lord wants to take that away. He's paid the price, right? but will shake our world. When I was young in my teenage years and into my early 20s, I was very insecure. And I had a reason to be insecure. I, I grew up in a terrible family that was constantly changing. Every year of my life, growing up in the school years, I was in a different school, most years, twice. So in 12 years of school, I was in I think I one time counted, I think I was in like eighteen or twenty school, different schools. very insecure. I didn't do well in school. my My life was not settled. it was not secure, so I didn't have a lot of the support that some people have the privilege of having in a stable home that brings security. So a lot of insecurity there. So when God called me to ministry, I had such a strong experience with the Lord. That I knew it, it was so real to me, I, I could not but resist, could not but do it. Even when I tried to turn away from the calling of the Lord, the Lord would do things to intervene. Good morning. <laughs> I don't know if I told you a story, but when the Lord really called me to to, to, to serve Him in ministry, um, it was a long, it was a process of a number of, of, of months, but. But I, I was just saying no to it, even though the Lord had done some miraculous things in my life. I was in the U.S. Army in Germany, as in the Vietnam era of, of, of our history. And I was turned away from God. Lord. I smoked cash every day. I found out if I stayed stoned when I was smoking pot, I didn't have to deal with my thoughts about God. I could actually have intellectual discussions about God and have no conviction. See? That's what... You know, drinking and token will do for you. You can you can have all these wonderful conversations to feel no guilt, no responsibility, and, and just uh, but you have to stay high all the time. And when you stay high all the time, your life don't work. Right? Anybody here ever try to stay high all the time? Anybody here try to stay drunk all the time? Raise your hand. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, it don't work. It causes more problems than you, you you would have if you just dealt with life. But nevertheless, I, I stayed high all the time. And I, I one day uh, I had my Bible, and it was under my bunk in my, in my, in my um, uh, barracks, and it was in the furthest place that I could put it away from my presence. And one day I got a letter from a friend, and, and she said, Hey, do you know so-and-so? He was the biggest pot dealer in high school. He's gone to Christ for the Nations. And I grew up in South Carolina. Born in Holland, but I grew up in the in the South. And, and so I thought, man, here I am getting high all the time. I'm really not enjoying my life. I'm running from God's so life. And I just thought, and I did not pray. I said, if I could get out of the Army, I'll go to Bible college. Now, a week later, my commanding officer called me in, said, we've never done this with anybody before, but I had talked to one of the lieutenants sometime before that that I was a bit of a friend with, and I told him, I said, really, you know, I'm doing the, you know, the drug thing and all, and I'm really not happy, and I wish I could get away from all the drugs. Well, they came out with this anyway. So, so my commanding officer calls me in. He said, I'll give you an honorable discharge right now with all the benefits you would have gotten for your full time if you'll sign the paper. And I was like, okay, where do I sign? So I got out. And the benefits would mean it would pay for Bible college. Now, this is right... I knew this was God. You you know how you know when you know or when something happened and was really going on even though you don't want to deal with it? So what did I do? I went home and the first thing I did, I started buying marijuana by the pounds and started selling it through all my community so that I could smoke for free. I wasn't trying to make money. I just wanted to stay high. So I'm dealing pot, smoking pot, and staying high all the time. And I went up to... To, to, to in the evening, before I go to bed, I get high, you know, the high would wear off, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go smoke a joint and go to sleep. So I go up this little place on a hill above my house, and so I'm rolling my joint, and I'm sitting there, you know, getting it right and making sure all the stems are out and, you know, got to do this thing right. And, you know, you, know, you, know, you know, the devil disciples people better than a lot of Christians. My friends taught me when I started smoking pot how to roll a joint correctly. Now, a lot of people come to church we tell them what to do, but no one ever takes the time to show them how to do it. See? The devil disciples very well. We're called to make disciples. We're not supposed to be called to tell everybody all the things they should be doing and they're not doing right. We're called to live it and then show others how to do it. We've got to get it working in our life, and now we show you how to make it work in your life. That's what it's all about. That's where fulfillment comes. It doesn't come just going to a meeting. Praise God. If you just go to church and over and over and over and over again, in the end, it's just going to become empty to you, even though God's moving. You're not going to get much out of it anymore. Why? Because you're not showing someone else how to do it. And all you got to do to do that is make some friends with people that don't know how. Right? How many of you know somebody in this area whose life is not working right now? How many of you know somebody? There is your opportunity. Just go and start caring about them. Just go and start showing them. Go and start talking about how you failed and struggled and what worked for you. I promise you they'll respond. Everybody wants a friend. Jesus said, I didn't call you servants. I called you friends. So I'm getting ready to light this thing up, fire up and get high and go to bed. And I have a revelation before I smoked. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden... I'm thousands of years in the future. I do not explain it. I've never had experience like it since. I'm thousands of years in the future. It's the only way I can explain it. And I look back and I see my life. All in an instant. And I go, what a fool am I? The only conclusion. That reality of eternity hit me and I thought, what a fool am I? And then God spoke to me in an audible voice and said, I'm calling you to tell people about Jesus. I didn't light up. I applied for Christ from the nations. I went to Bible college. Started on the journey. Even when I didn't want to do what was right, God still loved me enough to call me. Isn't God good? That's what he's about. He said, I came to seek, seek and save those who are lost let the lord do some seeking through you see overcome your insecurities and fears i was so insecure that as i was called i i, I would talk to people and i'd be talking like i am right now and then i just kind of go nobody wants to hear anything i've got to say i can i can just look at them and say, they don't they, they don't they don't want to even hear what I say. So I, I stop sometimes halfway through a sentence and walk off from people. I was that insecure. When I first started telling people, when I went to Amsterdam and got involved in ministry there, and I, I felt called to teach and to preach. We were doing discipling, but I wasn't teaching and preaching. And people said, well, maybe you should consider something else. But I knew what God had called me to do. And I've since been in about 80 nations. How come? Because God called me to do it. The greater is He that is in us than the ones in the world. And we've got to get over fear to where we fear life. What I mean by that is we don't want to make any kind of choices or decisions because we think of what may yet happen that's negative. Look, if your very worst came upon you, your very worst fear or thought, even there God will help you and meet you. See, it's not fear that's really the problem. It's our expectation, what's going on in our head, that we think is all going to develop with that fear. I don't remember what I preached about when I was here. Hey, you know, you know the great thing about preaching today. This is the best Sunday of the year. Your pastor was actually not so clever. This is the best Sunday of the year to preach because your stomach right now says it's about eleven o'clock. You know, ten thirty. What time is it? Somebody tell me what time is it. Oh, it's way up there. Okay, twelve. Okay, so yeah, twelve thirty. Oh, you know what? Your tummy's saying, this is the worst Sunday of the year. Your pastor's very clever. <laughs> Caught me. I sit there thinking about how your stomach's not even saying you're hungry now. Uh, you're past being hungry. It's all right. Good thing. Lord. We can have a fear of life. I don't want to make decisions. I don't want to go forward. I don't want to do things because. I'm insecure about what may happen. You know, my wife has been in a situation, I've been in a situation in our years of ministry where in the morning we woke, the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, there's danger today. Both situa- both times that happened, that day someone attempted to kill us. Both of us with a knife. Different nations, different places. Too long to get into the story right now, but I was in Bogota, Colombia. we have been preaching on the streets, streets there and, and, and doing dramas, and this was in the midst of the cartel war and when, when, when nobody went there. Now they're starting to see, see them advertising on TV. Hey, oh, Colombia, it's not what you think. You know, it's, you can come here now. It's safe. I'm not sure about that, but it was really not safe then. And I had a group of about seven men jump on me. At one time, one guy tried to stick a knife in my back. They ended up with a scratch on my hand. A drug addict pulled out a knife when my wife went by with, on a bicycle with one kid on the front and one on the back, taking them to the school in the red light district where we had our kids in a, in a Catholic Christian school. And because the Lord had warned her, when she saw it, she saw the two drug addicts in this little narrow Amsterdam street, about as wide as this, this area right here, And she's coming on the bikes. They're standing there. And the Lord says, this is what I warned you. The Holy Spirit says, this is what I warned you about. Now, the Lord could take all these things away, right? So right as she got up close to these guys, she kicked her pedal down real hard and had a burst of speed and went right around this guy. And as she turned around and looked, this guy had a knife about this long, and he gave her a wicked look and stuck the knife back up his shirt sleeve. That's a fearful thing. What happened to me was a fearful thing afterward, the next day, when it all kind of hit me. But you know, the Lord delivered us. Psalm 91 says that if a thousand fall at your left hand or a thousand at your right hand or 10,000, it shall not come nigh thee. The old King James. Bottom line is, guys, if God has his hand on us and it's not your time to go, it don't matter what the devil does. Do you understand that? God is greater than the devil. The worst thing that you could fear that could possibly happen to you will not happen to you. See, we spend our life living as if the bad is going to happen and the things we fear are in control, but they're not in control. It's a lie. And it keeps us from living our life. Maybe God's speaking to you about an idea that will make money and you, you, you kind of like feel insecure because you've never done anything like that before. You've got to begin to step out in the thing that you believe. It may be going to, to a level of education that you, you didn't think you can do. You don't feel able to do, but, but the Lord's speaking in your heart to do it. You've got to face those fears. And as you begin to face those spe- fears and you begin to step out, you see God begin to work. And those things that you fear begin to shrink. They don't have the impact on you that they did before. The sluggard says in Proverbs twenty-two thirteen, there's a lion outside. I'll be slain in the streets. We can, we can not want to do anything because there are bad things out there. Right? You know, I think a lot of people with their children have that attitude. There are bad things out there, so I'm going to overly protect and shelter them so that nothing can ever happen to them. And the reverse is going to take place. They're going to want to break free from that, and they're going to get into worse things because you didn't trust that God is bigger than the bad things out there. You hear what I'm saying? You know what's healthy. You know in your heart. I'm not saying turn kids just loose wild. But we don't need to fear the world. We don't need to fear the devil. God is greater. Our prayers are greater. You know, when my kids were younger, the times they started getting around the wrong situations and stuff, because I pray and I believe, I would start getting a check in my spirit. I start feeling something in my spirit. Something's wrong. And I go to him to the point that my my son who lives in Wales now, married to an English girl, he he just goes, you know, every time I start doing something wrong, my dad always knew. My mom was like that. She prayed. Man, that was the only person I did not want to be around when I was high. (laughs) The only person. My mom. Oh, my gosh. I mean I got within fifty feet of her and her little tenant went ning 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 ding like uh uh-uh, uh don't go around my mom. I don't know how she knows, but she knows. <laughs> Let's pray together. Jesus came to break the the fear of death. He wants to uh, work in our lives so we don't have to feel insecure, inferior, less than. It don't matter what other people think about you. It absolutely means nothing. The Bible says that we're to Worry about the opinion of God and not what people think. And we need to be set free to live that way because otherwise we miss out on so much. How much are you living life being tormented from time to time with fears? Think about it, you know. Just got to meditate on this a minute. Are there any ways that you are vulnerable to the enemy just to come and torment you because of fear of something that's going to happen? Or you feel less than other people, so you really can't allow who you are to come out. You miss out and so does everybody else. If I would listen to everything everybody else said, I don't know what I'd be doing right now, but I wouldn't be standing here this morning. I am the most ordinary person in the world. But I have a treasure that lives in me. Jesus actually is in me right now. Think about that. Jesus is in you right now. Oh, I'd love to see Jesus. Well, Jesus is here. <laughs> Jesus is here. Say it again. Jesus is, here. Jesus is here. He is. And even with all my faults, even with all my insecurities, even with all my failures, Jesus lives in me. And he's coming out. And the more I don't walk in fear, the more he's able to come out. See? It's like connecting with those needy people, those people whose lives aren't working. See, we get overwhelmed. We don't want to go. You can look at me for a minute. We're not going to pray yet. Sorry. But you can pray. Pray for me. Pray Pray for yourself. But we can live our life Not wanting to connect with needy people because we feel like, oh, I've got, I can't be burdened with all that. I'm just hardly making it myself, (laughs) right? All my own problems and situations and so forth. If you think you're the answer, you haven't heard the gospel yet. Let me explain it to you. For God so loved the world. That He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have eternal life. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. I'm not afraid to tell anyone about Jesus because in the message of Jesus, whoever receives and whoever believes, the power of God is activated in their life and something will change. See? Not what you can do for them. What are you going to do for them? Just be a friend. Just care. Care. Express your heart. All these feelings inside that, that we feel stupid about talking about because of insecurities and fears, let them out. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. See, it's not you. It's Jesus. Do you hear me? It's Jesus wanting to come out. And when you express it, he's going to do something in this earthen vessel. But if you spend too much time in Survivor Church, right? Watching Survivor, man, I see that fault and they're irritated and that person's that and this person. You've lost sight, perspective. Every church is like that. Every family's like that. every marriage is like that. Every job place is like that. There are no situations you can go to where you escape that. It's always going to be there. But Jesus actually lives in us, and he wants to come out. Let's pray. We'll try to this time. Father, if you have struggled with any kind of fear that you recognize today that something just stirring in you, you see it real clearly, just stand please to your feet right now because we're just going to pray and we're going to pray for something to change. But if you've seen something today, you go, okay, I can see how this is working in me in what way. That's all you got to do is just respond to that. The power of God comes as we respond. It has nothing to do with me praying for you, actually. It has more to do with you responding and going, okay, I can see that. I'm responding to you, Holy Spirit. And then the Lord is going to do something. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Just reach out hands just just toward those that are standing right now. Would you just reach out a hand to them if you're near somebody? Just lay a hand on them, just of affirmation and love of impartation, encouragement, authority. Wait till everybody has, everybody have, so there's some people over here. Could you guys lay hands on them right over there, in the, standing in the very back? Let's just make sure everybody has someone that's standing at someone just Just praying with your hand upon them. Now, I want to do this kind of a little bit methodically. So first, let's break any demonic attack, if that's the case. Okay, That's real simple. What I want you to do is just pray over them and just command the attack to stop in the name of Jesus, rebuke the power of the enemy, declare the authority of Jesus' name over them. Okay, just do that right now. Hallelujah. Shalom, amon, Anybody can play the keyboard or something? Just kind of just play. That would be good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just pray over them. Just rebuke the power of the enemy right now. You don't have to do it loudly. It doesn't make any difference. You just have to do it believing in authority. We just break off any fear that comes against you, whether in your sleep or in your conscious hours. I command now in the name of Jesus this fear and torment to stop in your life. In the name of Jesus, we break that attack. It will no longer torment you. It will no longer come against you. You'll be set free now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to pray for insecurities. Just that in us, I just don't feel less than. It holds me back. Keeps me from making the right choices. Um, uh, You know, something will happen. I'll step out and I look stupid, and then I just retreat back like a turtle into my shell. So let's just pray over these right now. If there's any of these kind of issues, and if you are, you're sitting there, and if that's an issue for you anyway, just stand to your feet right now. Respond to the Lord by just acknowledging it. Just acknowledge it. That's what confession is. Confession is saying, that's the truth. That's the truth about me. So if there's anyone else right now that you find yourself holding back because of insecurity in some way, just stand to your feet and acknowledge it. Acknowledge it before the Lord. Hallelujah. That's good. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. We're going to break that today. Thank you, Father. So, Father, now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you. May your love and the security from your love fill each of these people. Lord, may they just see that no matter what they do, even when they don't do what's right, your love still surrounds them. You're still for them. There's not any failure, any disobedience that would cause you to quit loving them that even when they're fully obedient you love them the same so Lord all these insecurities all these underneath these fears that keep us from making choices and going forward because we, we worry about what others think or what may happen Lord just touch them right now touch them just deeply in their heart and massage this into their life in such a way that they just feel so comforted and encouraged and strengthen and that faith begins to fill their hearts that they begin to choose to believe what you say and not what they think and what they feel about any situation thank you Lord thank you Lord heal Lord the hurts where the enemy has bruised these people and bruised us and bruised me Lord and because of that bruise in my life of rejection that now, when I encounter a situation similar, I think, oh, no, the same thing's going to happen again. Here it is. Maybe you've had failed relationships. Maybe you've failed in, in a marriage. Maybe you've failed in parenting. Or maybe your parents have failed you. And it causes a bruise. There's a hurt there. And so then we go, oh, well, I'm just destined to be the same. Or that's just going to keep happening over and over. No, it's not. No, it's not. That is not the truth. It is simply a lie. The devil is the liar from the beginning, a murderer. He's a liar. Reject that lie. And if you'll reject that lie, you begin to accept the truth that that's not the case, then you're releasing it to be that way. Because the Lord can act now. The Lord can be moving. But you have to make the choice to say, I reject the lies about my past failures or the bad things others have done and hurts. And this is just going to happen over and over again. That is a lie. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you right now for all of us, Lord, those wounds I've had in my life. Oh, God, and then when I saw things starting to go wrong in my relationship with my own children, I started to say, oh, no, it's going to be the same way with them. Well, that's not true. It's not happened. But, boy, it sure did torment me. It sure held me back. Oh, Lord, I just pray today that that you'll just heal every heart here today and just so comfort everyone, Lord. Draw near to us as we draw near to you, Lord. And just come and just just, just, just show us, Lord, the truth. Show us the truth. I want you to make a decision, right? Now. I want you to say out of your mouth that this is true about you. I reject this lie. I want you to say it. I reject this lie. Now, I want you to keep saying it until it's just really strong in your heart. Just say it over and over. I reject this lie. I'm no longer going to believe this. I reject this. Get angry about it. I reject this. I am not going to believe this about myself anymore. This is not the truth. It's not my destiny. I reject it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's all stand to our feet. Now, now, I want to pray over you guys. What the Lord showed me, I asked the Lord to show me if there's anything he wanted me to see about you or say to you in particular, you know, in also this message, but is there anything that he has to say to you? And, and what I saw is I saw a lot of people, my, my sister Yvonne came to my mind. This never happened to me before. Let me tell you about my sister Yvonne. She, she just cares about people. She, she's... She's never been real successful in, you know, in life in the way that everybody goes, look like, wow, I want to achieve what Yvonne's achieved. She's not that kind of person. But you know what she's successful about? She just she really just loves the teenagers in her neighborhood. They come over to her house, she cares about people. She wants what's best. She serves when she can in church and things, and she's a good mother. And I felt that the Lord wanted me to say to you, there are a lot of Ivans in this room today. There's a lot of Ivans here. And you are pleasing to the Lord. I want you to hear that again. You you really are pleasing to the Lord. He's so happy with you. He likes the way you think. He likes the way you care. He likes what you do because you just genuinely want what's best for other people. You know if that's you today. You know if that's what your heart is. And I just felt for the Lord to say to you, He really likes that. He really wants that's That's all He really wants. We can can do the Martha thing and get busy with all activities and programs and all the things, and that's all fine. But in the end, what does he really want? He just wants you to care. He just wants you to reach out and love. No matter if they hear it then, it, it, it results in what you want it to result in then, it doesn't matter. Because when people encounter real love over the course of their life, it's gonna change their life. Sometimes it's decades later, it's years later. How many have been touched? I used to go to this Baptist church when my home was hell. It was hell. Talk about hell, it was hell. I hated my life. And I would go to this Baptist church on Wednesday night, and we didn't have enough food to eat at home. And I would go to this church, and I was embarrassed because I'd go for choir practice and for the, the, uh, the, the program they had that night, but the real reason I went is they had a meal. And all these older women, they would just, every Wednesday, they would, like a little cafeteria thing there, and they would make food and stuff, and you'd go through, and I'd be like, you know, I was embarrassed. I didn't have any money. Don't worry about it. And I would eat. You know, it was the best meal I had all week. But you know what touched me to this day? affected my life that I, I can't wait to get to heaven to see some of these older ladies, these grandmas because these ladies love me. They never said anything to me about Jesus. They never preached to me. They never did anything but they just smiled and lit up when they saw me. They loved me and here I am 35 or so years later preaching the gospel, doing God's will but what changed my life is people like that That's what it's all about. It's all you got to do. It's so simple. Jesus is in you. Jesus was in those grandmothers. I'm so grateful. I can sit here with tears in my face today because I feel it. I feel it. It's real. It's real. It's eternal. It's God. It changes you.